It's a beautiful, wonderful day for a podcast. Don't you think, Mr. Joraptor? I think it is. Yeah, I think so as well. (laughs) 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 That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. We're ready to go, man. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Finally, Uh, something to talk about. Some stuff to discuss (sighs) on the show. Yeah, 2024 has been so slow. I think so far it's been a great year. Uh, it's been uh, it's been fun. Have you checked out Ball Worlds yet? That's the new hotness. That's the new hotness. I have not like tried playing it or anything. I have seen everybody talking about it, but no, I have not. Have you? No, I me mean, neither. I, I was starting to get a code like earlier in the week because I saw the embargo lifted. Um, but I think they, yeah, it was kind of hard to find like the right contact. So it's now out on PC, uh, on Steam, on Game Pass, on Xbox as well. So Xbox has the first big console exclusive, it seems, <laughs> because it already sold one million copies in eight hours. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, they've apparently their servers have been a little shell shocked. Here's a question yeah. I've heard people talking about on X. A lot of people think that like this is just a matter of time before Nintendo goes after them and starts suing the crap out of really? them. Really? I don't think they really have a case, but knowing Nintendo, I'd be shocked if they don't try. But this this game has been like a Gamescom a couple of times. Like they have been not shy about this whatsoever. It would be weird to go after them after they are they are launching. That would be that would kind of suck. It would be yeah, but it, it is Nintendo. Yeah, uh, it is still Nintendo. <laughs> but I I agree like I don't know how you take them to court and say like like everybody who knows Pokemon knows what this is. Like this is basically the big uh sort of open world dynamic multiplayer it's it's basically what everybody's always wanted out of pokemon it, um, yeah it's always like why aren't there any guns in pokemon like if you if this was real life and these creatures were really there do you really think no one would use a gun against them yeah let me <laughs> so this is this is what 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 this the realistic pokemon yeah it's grounded everybody it's grounded <laughs> yeah i i agree i mean it just makes sense um but like everybody knows that this is inspired by pokemon but I don't know how you oh, go yeah. into court and you're like, but it's, see, it gives it's like kind of built on the ideas of it. Like at that point, OK, well, you can't make racing games because the racing games were inspired by Forza and you can't make games where you you drive around the open world and can do whatever you want because that's inspired by GTA six or GTA five. Like you just wouldn't be able to do anything if inspiration is outlawed. So I don't. Yeah, it, it, and and there have been many other games. Like you know, Temtem, for example. That that's oh, yeah. even more like Pokemon. Like that is really the top-down view. You really have the turn-based battles. It's basically the same. Like there have been many clones. So I think this might actually be further from that. So I think they will be fine. And it's just kind of crazy because I saw some gameplay, and you can also make your own uh, town or like your own settlement. And then you put these creatures to work. So imagine a Charizard like keeping the fire from the forge running all the time. So it's so you're really abusing these creatures. Or you can like walk up to a sheep, looks like a Mareep. It's like a, a a round sheep, so it's like it's slightly different. It's still and totally they walk up different. to them with, with like a yeah, with like a stick. And then you go find them. It's like 
oh my god it's crazy it's what but, everybody's uh, always wanted to do but i mean i the other thing is they've known that this was inspired by pokemon since the very beginning so surely they've like taken their steps oh, yeah. to make sure each creature is is different in at least some notable way and you know even if it's basically the same as this pokemon it's different enough that they should be okay so uh yeah, either way yeah, 100%. it just shows in my view how much like nintendo's dropped the ball by not providing this like imagine how successful an official <laughs> nintendo version of this would be i think it'd be huge but they can't ever seem just to Pokemon do it. on PC in general would be huge. Yeah. Like Mario Kart in general would be huge on PC. I, and I don't think it would cannibalize the Switch shills. I, I really don't think so. But I totally agree. I totally agree. So uh, yeah, they they're completely fine selling forty million copies of Mario Kart without yeah. a PSG version. So why would they need only forty the million? Extra, <laughs> yeah. yeah, or like a Wii U port that they added a few courses to. Like that's that's insane. Uh, oh, Nintendo. But yeah, I, I think it's also I think the other interesting thing about Paul World is like this is a the first like big week in terms of game releases um, in 2024 with Prince of Persia, The Lost of Us Part Two, and this game kind of comes out of nowhere and captures everyone. Like I see some people talk about Prince of Persia, of course, getting great reviews. The Lost of Us Part Two, everyone knows what they expect from that. I don't see a lot of hype around the No Rush. Or no return modes. Well, of course, the Valhalla content, like a similar roguelite mode, got way more praise. It it had way more story though than the no return mode from Lost of Us. But it's just interesting that these enormous companies, the PlayStation and Ubisoft, are launching some of their biggest games already, and this Paul Worlds game is taking the world over. Yeah. Right? So it's one of my favorite things about the latest uh, sort of. I don't know if you say generation, but the latest wave of of gaming trends is I love these surprise hits. Like those of us who pre-ordered Baldur's Gate like three years ago, we knew it was going to be good. I don't think anybody expected, even Larian expected it to become like such a mainstream hit with so many people. And so that was kind of a fun surprise. Like it was out there just like Pal World. Pal World. It was out there. You could have known about it, but to see it just explode, I think is really cool. And it shows that there's a hunger for exciting yeah. new stuff. And um, that we don't need like insane graphics. Like the, that, that is really something like the, the game doesn't look great at all. Like, and I don't think we very... need, like we don't need the five year marketing thing. Like honestly, if you put a oh, game yeah. out and it just looks fun and exciting and it's priced fairly, <laughs> then yeah. all of a sudden it explodes and in I, popularity. I, I also don't think they 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 like I I haven't looked into this, but I don't think they paid like any streamers or whatever to to play this. Like everyone's kind of hungry right now in this middle of January. Like people have played the 2023 games now; they're looking for something new, and everyone's like, "Yeah, let, let's try this." While right now today, uh, Suicide Squad is like paying probably a few million to Shroud and all the other streamers to stream the end game. That will probably get way less views than this Paul Worlds yeah. from a way smaller company. It's yeah. like kind of crazy. Have they? I mean, before we we get into like the core body of this, and I want to go through some chat messages here in a second, guys. So thank you everybody who's been active in chat so far. But um, have they clarified what exactly this Suicide Squad thing is going to be? Is it just going to be like they're going to let Shroud and those guys go live with it, or are they going to do an edited video? Yeah, no, they're going to do the end game. So there's for the first time ever, they're showing the end game of what that looks like. So they're probably going to do some uh, activities that uh, 
Yeah. Right, but that it's have not, not like been revealed yet. they're not like live streaming it. They're like probably playing a video that they recorded. No, I think they're live streaming it. Oh, okay. So that could yeah, be cool yeah. if they're actually live. I I just yeah, assumed yeah, it was going to be another like insider episode. Um No, that's going to be on Monday. They're going to do that on Monday. That that's when they will reveal Joker as like the first character and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, so uh but it's always like and I saw a lot of like critique on that from the community as well, and I get it. But I get two sides. Like I get Warner wanting to put this game in front of like a huge audience, and yeah, hopefully, I mean that's how Apex Legends got the, like the head start that it got by paying all these streamers. So a lot of companies are looking at that. But we do know that Shroud will probably drop the game the moment the sponsored stream is over and yeah. never look back. So, so do you really can you baby nuts better? fund some people that might actually play this game long term um and will they have tried the game beforehand because that's what we also discussed i think in the in our alpha impressions like it takes some time to get used to especially the traversal and stuff so i don't want like shroud like swing i mean they are really good gamers of course but still it's end game content you do want some pro gameplay hopefully so oh yeah uh, no it's just it's always really tough to showcase live service games. Cause like the end game for the average player, by the time you get there, you've already put in a hundred hours, 200 hours, whatever it may be uh, to get through the core content. So you know how to play the game, you know, the ins and outs, you really are kind of an expert in the game. And to take like a, a streamer and be like, here's the tutorial for three hours. And then here's end game, have fun. It's just not going to work the same. So hopefully they've prepped them and, Give them, yeah. giving them the chance to do it. Um, but to ask some very important questions from chat, uh, from first of all, oh my chat's kind of freezing up. Uh, Noamius, can I like if I think Luke, or if if I think Joel Raptor is a babe or only Luke? I'm not sure. Oh, this this is very complicated. Joel Raptor what, is. What do you mean? Just like, just like. <laughs> yeah, just like, just like this ring. Um, yeah. Hey, babes. Hey, babes. Um, hey, babes. Hey, babes. That's a fantastic, fantastic question. Um, FM Belch, also thank you for being over in Twitch chat. Um, what's the best place to pay Baldur's Gate, PS5 or PC? I would recommend PC just because mouse and keyboard is kind of the. Uh, the UI is built for that. You can technically play it on controller, but it's definitely better with mouse and keyboard. Personal opinion, but most people seem to... Uh, yeah, but it's pretty good on controller yeah. as well. It's workable. It's just yeah. a lot of radial menus. So it's like, ooh, here's... I, I went over to a friend's house who actually was playing Baldur's Gate uh, on his PlayStation, and he had the stick drift. <laughs> oh, so no. He was like, yeah, he was like selecting the characters, and then it would like complete, like all the way go up again. So he was like fighting against... Oh no, I'm selecting the wrong move. And it's like, oh my God. It was like such oh. a pain to look at. It was, that, it was like doing like those a... puzzles in uh, Tears of the Kingdom or Breath of the Wild with the Nintendo Joy-Con stick drift. Because like, oh, you yeah. have to walk a very tight line and he keeps walking to the left. Yeah, like, it's, oh, it's, it's such a pain. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he had like a launch controller, so it was bound to happen. But, yeah, uh, that's a pretty good life for him. Unfortunately, like two, three years is a pretty good life for a controller used heavily. Um, okay, so let's here's here's a, a good kind of jumping off point and uh jump off point question if that makes any sense <clears throat> from jonay ad 
You guys think Indiana should have been third person. Great question. Let's transition into that discussion. So what was revealed yesterday, Mr. Joe Raptor? That I was right once again. <laughs> the, the man <laughs> can't miss. <laughs> I, I was, it was pretty cool to see that. So I think last week during the episode, we were like kind of talking because they had the line in their article where it was like, and we will tell you how you play as indie, and that already kind of shows you, or that already told you that it's not going to be a typical third-person game. Uh, but yeah, they're doing first-person, and then for the cutscenes and some traversal elements, they're doing third-person, which I think is uh, is an interesting approach. Should it have been third-person? I mean, they they have they could do what they want, like. <laughs> and I think like for machine games, it actually makes sense. Like we know that they with the Wolfenstein games prefer that that uh, mode and i do think um that it actually sets this game apart from the tomb raiders and the uncharted and i actually thought walking around with the torch and exploring the tomb that way or sticking your hand in a sort of hole and then having the spider crawl over your arm that was kind of like awesome like a new way to experience that type of game um i, I, I the only thing i was like the combat how's that going to work and i mean we saw the whip of course used it's really cool that you can use it of course in combat to pull enemies down and take them out that way or also in stealth hit the wall next to an enemy and they will like look around and be like where did it come from and they can sneak past them that's awesome stuff and also as traversal so you can swing so that that was really cool should it have been third person no, I, I actually like this. I'm, I'm, I'm actually more a fan of them, yeah, trying this perspective while still because I'm not, not, not really a fan mostly of the first-person cutscenes. So still having that movie-like, yeah, those movie-like scenes in between uh, the first-person gameplay, I think it's actually pretty cool and it's something different from this adventure type genre so what what do you think yeah no i i totally agree the people that are begging for it to be third person it's like okay so you just you want uncharted that's fine yeah. that's okay go play that but yeah. there's uncharted and they're trying to do their own thing here the other thing like you mentioned coming from machine games you have to understand like machine games my concern was like if they go third person they haven't really made third person shooters like that's not their bread and butter but they do know how to really make a solid first-person shooter. And guess what they're doing? Making a first-person shooter in the moments where that's really important. And then at other times, like in Traversal, or maybe when you're you're climbing up kind of like, uh, you know, you're climbing up vines or up a ladder, or if there's a really cool set piece where maybe you're, you're just walking along a tight, like, you know, shimmying along the big uh, Zeppelin. Maybe the camera pulls out there, and so you can see... Um, the whole scope of everything. I think it strikes a really good balance. I think it makes sense to do it this way. And it lets machine games focus on what they're really good at while also yeah. presenting the cinematic scale and everything. Um, because, of course, when I, I think we all heard the potential for a first-person Indiana Jones game, we're all like, oh, God, is it going to be like, we're playing Indiana Jones, so you have a voice actor trying to sound like Indy, but you're looking through the eyes of Indy, and so yeah, it's yeah. just like kind of awkward and clunky. But they've managed to strike the balance, I think, where they can show Indy, make it clear that he is the character. It's not you slash Indy. It's Indiana Jones, and um, it seems exciting. It seems exciting. And 
you know, if this is where Todd Howard's efforts have been going, <laughs> you know, <laughs> instead of Starfield, that maybe it was all worth it uh, because it looks really good. And I think that this is another example also of a trailer done right. Like it's not a purely a cinematic trailer. It shows you what the game is almost certainly going to look like when you're actually playing it, granted, probably on really high end hardware. Um, but it shows you what you can expect from the game in terms of visuals, in terms of uh, style, in terms of uh, graphic fidelity, in terms of gameplay. It just gives you all of that really important info. And I feel like they managed to go from Indiana Jones being a game that we were kind of like, yeah, we'll see, to being the most anticipated of the entire year in the span of a three-minute trailer that you're seeing on screen. I wouldn't right go now. that far, but it does look like a, a fun weekend. Well, Joe Raptor, <laughs> you see, you're an Assassin's Creed fanboy, as am I. So, like, of course, AC Red I mean, I could name other games that look better that, that I'm more hyped for. Uh, I think Black Myth Wukong uh, is another one, uh, for example, and uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. But, uh, I mean, it still looks really great. It, I think this is what they had to show. There was nothing apart maybe from that scene with, like, the planes that kind of look really like, oh, okay, this looks really cinematic. Apart from that, I was not, like, super blown away by it in any... I think when you see Uncharted with the car chase and everything that is going on there, that, that's, that feels always more like a, whoa, is the PS4 capable of this? I did not see that here I, it was not like whoa the xbox or pc or whatever can pull this off no this looked like a a cool interpretation of this of this franchise and yeah giving us yeah some some cool a cool story uh, I'm, I'm saying a cool story I'm, I'm i mean a cool adventure i'm not sure about the story I, that it will probably be the villain and i i, I i'm not sold on that yet but uh hope there will be Maybe your companion will turn on you because they already said she has like her own personal reason, and Indy just want to go on an, go on an adventure. So maybe they will, yeah, there will be a roadblock along the way. I don't know. So far, it just looks like a great time. And uh, are you gonna do the optional puzzles that they talked about? So we of course have the linear sort of path, and then sometimes there will be optional puzzles. Uh it's. It's curious because a lot of it with that type of thing depends on the rewards, like what you're actually getting for completing those puzzles. If it's like little collectibles and ooh, like in Uncharted 4, you know, where in hidden nooks and crannies are all those little collectibles that you could get that gave you, I think they called them like CP or collection points or something. And then you could use those to unlock different visual modes or outfits and stuff. That that was always kind of fun. Um for me, I'm not generally a completionist type of player, but hey, if the game is really fun, I'll do all of it. Like I 100% completed yeah, yeah, yeah. Arkham City back in the day, not because I was a completionist, but just because I loved the game so much, I didn't want it to end. And if this is also really good, I'll probably do the same thing. Um, I think it seems interesting. Lots of varied environments, all that stuff, really cinematic. It's what I look for in a game like this. So I think it looks great. Yeah, if, uh, uh, Tomales here in the, in the comments, like the optional puzzles seem a lot like the challenge tombs from Tomb Raider. Yeah, that, that, that's true. Like, it's uh, it's just funny that, of course, those games are inspired by Indiana Jones, and now Indiana Jones, the game, is taking things from them. But it's great. And um, yeah, like, for me, this looked like the. It's not a stop era thing, Indiana Jones is out, but it's like a, oh, I do look forward to playing this when it's like cold outside and it's already winter again or whatever. I mean, and, what I'll uh, yeah, say, 
Oh, I was just going to say, like, I'm starting to see the rumblings that this could be another mainstream big deal game. Like, I'm having people that I knew in college that know that I do, like, gaming stuff, um, but that are not gamers themselves texting me and asking me about this. Like, okay. they're not active gamers, they're not hardcore gamers, but oh, they've oh. heard rumblings and they're very interested now. Yeah, I was not really impressed by the 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 views that I saw so far. Uh, IGN put up the trailer. I think it had like eight hundred thousand views, which like fine. But that, that this like probably just like the uh, like yeah, maybe they will get more over time as this will probably be the first moment we see it, and then in June will likely be the second. Yeah. So uh, and knowing yeah, it, and I was just gonna Xbox say knowing something like this. Yeah, and they're gonna pour money into the marketing for this. I mean, you guys remember how hard they pushed the marketing for Starfield last fall? I mean, this this game is probably gonna get pushed like that. It's gonna be um everywhere. And if it holds up and is is solid, you know, whether it's like an eight or a nine out of ten, uh, that's exactly what they need. And they're they're starting to really hit their stride, it seems, and get consistent games out that people are interested in. And, um, you know, I, I even saw people that are like well-known PlayStation, you know, Sony pony fanboy accounts that were like, well, I wouldn't ever get an Xbox, but Indiana Jones looks like, you know, maybe I get a PC for it. (laughs) So like, that's what they're hoping for. Again, Microsoft, it's not about selling consoles. It's about selling software. What what is the logic there? Like the PC is way more expensive. I don't don't get it. It's just because they can't admit that they want to play an Xbox game. So if they play on PC, then it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. 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 The Xbox Game Pass app. Well done. Well done. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. JPEG, I think Luke's right. This is a massive franchise. It's in the same realm of harry potter or star wars uh, oh no i i'm not sure Sorry. i mean it's tough because back in the day it absolutely was like that generation's yeah version the of new star wars movie did great or i guess that generation also had star wars when it came out but um i think indiana jones has been done dirty the last couple times and so they're looking for a boon you know something to kind of help the franchise regain some footing with the current generation and this could be it um I do think like the younger generation doesn't really know or care about Indiana Jones, but for the 30, 40 something gamers, this is going to be a big deal for sure. Uh, which is what I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've seen a lot of those types saying, this looks that, pretty good. that's the, the guy from Fortnite, right? Indiana Jones. <laughs> Indiana Jones from Fortnite. Yeah. Darth Vader from Fortnite. I had to look it up, but of course he's a skin. Why did I have to look that up? He actually is a skin in Fortnite. Yeah, at this point it feels like for a pop culture character, it's more likely they're yeah. they are a skin than they're not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's cool. Uh, Troy Baker is voicing him, uh, which is uh, interesting. Ellie. Um Yeah. Uh is anyone really surprised? I mean <laughs> It's like gruff white dude in his middle yeah, age. Yeah, yeah, Troy Baker. yeah, yeah. Makes sense. I actually watched like uh, a very cool um, behind the scenes for, uh, yeah, for like on the internet. There are of course some things from the Insomniac leak, and I saw like a Troy Baker um, call with one of the directors for one of his per- uh, characters, and he had to give three different versions of that same character. And he nailed it. All, like Every it, it was one. so interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, it was. He's like amazing. So well, it's the same I thing. Like got I, even more respect for him. And it's did like, you ever yeah, watch get, that? Get the back. Yeah, exactly. Like he, he's very talented, no doubt about yeah. it. Uh, did you ever watch that grounded documentary on the making of The Last of Us? 
Oh, no, no, no. Highly, highly recommend it. It's not that long. And I think the new one launches today for The Last of Us oh, Part cool. 2 Remastered yeah, yeah. Um, nice. on the creation of that game. But the original one, if you're interested in game development at all, it is fascinating because they go through the whole process of making The Last of Us. Uh, and one of the things they focus on is they have an extended look at the voice acting process and the the scene direction of some of the stuff that happened there. And one of the things they show is Nolan North, who, if you guys don't know, plays Nathan Drake in uh, the Uncharted games. And they brought him in to do... Uh, play a character in The Last of Us back in 2013, and it ended up being David, the sort of, let's just say, yeah. not great guy that that has kind of a cult following. And it was similar, where like Neil Druckmann apparently explained the character and kind of what was going on, and then Nolan was like, I think he would sound like uh, kind of uh, shaky and quiet, yeah. and like very, very short of himself but not sure if he can trust you and like he just would do that and neil was like that's it do that and that's the character yeah, like, that's yeah, how they figure yeah, out the no, voice yeah um that's awesome it's crazy because so much of this like you think how with a voice actor it's about putting a character into the sound of the voice and the pace and the rhythm of their speaking whereas with a, a, like a, a film actor or a tv actor it's about just like the like a lot of it is the visual presentation of the character. Very rarely do you see an actor that's really changing their voice from role to role to role. Um, it's one of the reasons I kind of like Johnny Depp because he'll do like, you know, uh, Jack Sparrow. And then a couple of years later he goes and does Willy Wonka. Yay. You know, and it's just <laughs> yeah. totally, totally different. So I think it's super cool. But anyway, yeah, and, 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 and in this case it was also like, like some characters like Indiana Jones already has a voice and he has the, the likeness from Harrison. So it's like super weird. So I think for Troy, it was like, okay, how do I think he's, he would sound, but still make it a bit my own. Like that. I think that's an extra challenge. Oh, can you imagine also, the course, pressure involved with this? Oh yeah. Like, God almighty. Like everybody got on Yong Yaz's case because he was voice acting a role that I guess had previously been voice acted and they didn't think he did as good a job as the original voice actor or something like that. I'm not even sure what the drama was, but that was like a tiny version of this where you're playing Indiana freaking Jones and Harrison freaking Ford. I can only imagine the pressure involved. I really wonder if they got him the chance to like meet with Harrison Ford and like study his mannerisms or if he just had to watch the movies 15,000 times. I'm not sure, but yeah, but yeah, but I, I, I yeah, I, I don't know. But also maybe sometimes when you actually do meet, then you might be more like an image. Yeah. Like imitate him more, like maybe because having the sort of distance will actually help yeah, create maybe. your own, keep it more flexible. Sort of twist to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, but uh, I mean, he could only lose. Because nobody is now talking about how great Troy is, but nobody's also saying, oh, he did a bad job. Because if he did, then we would all be here again. It's, a, it's one of those things where maybe no news is good news, you know, not yeah, yeah, making yeah. headlines for your performance is good. And I mean, at this point, everybody is like, yeah, he's amazing. Next. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a foregone conclusion. Um, <laughs> so, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so shifting for, I mean, do you have any other closing thoughts on Indiana Jones and everything there? Uh, no, but I want to thank Mr. Boogle for uh, gifting five mem, uh, yeah, five memberships. Oh baby, Mr. Boogle, thank you, thank you, thank you, and welcome, just to Kevin. I am the one who knocks, Jesse. 
Pretty Eye, The Doom of Sedan, Nell, and Rango. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, everybody. And thank you to uh, Mr. Boogle for making that happen. Appreciate you, my friend. Um, and in case anybody is not aware, uh, whether you're listening, uh, you know, through a podcasting app after the fact or watching a VOD or whatever uh, it may be, we are doing members only and sub only streams. Um, now we've got the schedule lined up. We did one yesterday that was super fun for members and oh, nice. subscribers. So just know that membership is not going to waste. You get special access to stuff. So just wait for that. Um, yeah. are, any other closing thoughts? Anything else you want to go through with Indiana Jones? Uh- no, I think, uh, again, I think the, the presentation was great. I, I do wonder what Todd's unique idea was because it just sounds like an, in, it just looks like an Indiana Jones game. Like he was, I had this idea. And I don't know if your idea was, let's name it The Great Circle, which is like a really bad name. So I, I, because it just looked like a machine games Indiana Jones game, it did not look like Todd Howard's vision of Indiana Jones. And he did not say what that vision was. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it felt like he was just a huge fan, wanted to make a game. I don't see the Todd Howard like. Influence. Yeah, where's the spin? But then again, Todd Howard doesn't really make these kinds of games. But I have a feeling, and this has always been a sneaking suspicion of mine. And you can start to see it with a lot of like famous game devs, uh, and also filmmakers and stuff like that, where they're really well known for X, but you can tell they're passionate about Y. Like Hideo Ooh. Kojima, I think is really well known for like Metal Gear Solid and for these video games. But let's be honest, it seems like he just wants to be a filmmaker. That It seems like everything he does is focused on film and trying to appeal to Hollywood and that type of thing. And with Todd Howard, he makes these really big sandbox games like Fallout 3 and Skyrim that are super successful. But then he tries to lean into more of the cinematic, more narrative-focused games, which is why they made a bunch of changes with Fallout 4 and stuff. And... Um, you know, also like the one I always go to is Nicolas Cage. He blows up and is super well known for all these movies and really blows up in the early two or mid 2000s with like National Treasure and that franchise. But apparently he can't stand making those movies. He just does it for a paycheck because he likes doing like, what was that movie with the bees? I forget what it is. Oh, the bees. That that one where the meme came from. Oh, I don't no. know. But like that's, I don't know either. that's the kind of movie he likes making, but he has to make the you other pop culture money. ones because that's yeah. what pays the bills. So I have a, a feeling that maybe it is the case that Todd is just really passionate about this. And this is a oh, wicker man. Yeah. Um, this is what he's wanted to do, but his studio, not that they aren't capable, but it's just not what his team does. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, and so this is that, a great yeah. outlet. Yeah, for sure. It, it just, I, I don't know. I, I, I did not want to see him here. Like it feels like we, we've seen enough Todd last year. Let machine games shine, right? But well, I to their credit, he was only in like the first five or ten seconds of the thing where he's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's kind right. of weirdly taking credit for this happening. Yeah, <laughs> Which... yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's you at your moments. Well, now let machine games. I don't think like Xbox brass has maybe it's settling in now, which is why he didn't have like a a big chance to stand on stage and present this, but. I don't think they've really processed how much he's burnt his goodwill with the community. Like even Xbox fans, the common meme is Todd's sweet little lies. Like that's the yeah, common yeah. theme is that you can't trust anything he says. And so maybe yeah. they, they wake up to that and stop taking it super, um, super. Seriously. I mean, do, let, let's make a prediction. then. do you think at summer game fest Xbox show, will he present this game? 
do I think he presents it like he's on like stage? He will doing be on stage like thanks to the amazing uh, uh, <laughs> praise for I love the for, uh, <laughs> for Indiana Jones back in January. We loved it. Let's look at another trailer. Uh, so, something like that. I that's a fantastic question. I'm gonna go with no. Okay. Um, because I think they'll have him presenting whatever update to Starfield they're going to do, probably revealing the first big DLC. And I think it would be pretty weird for him to do like back to back things. But maybe yeah, that's their okay. thing is they're like, let's just have him. He's on already stage. here. Yeah. <laughs> Todd, before you go. Yeah. Maybe yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm not but sure. Let's move on. Let's uh, talk about Hellblade 2. Yeah. That got a release date, May 21st. And also some interesting news that they briefly touched on during the developer direct, but it was kind of weirdly phrased. They basically said this ge- this will be another shorter linear experience, and I-, I only heard shorter, and I was like shorter than the first game. The first game was already like pretty short, mm-hmm. but now they're saying it will be a similar length to the first Hellblade, so that would be eight hours to do everything with a focused narrative, and it will also be sold digital only. At a price of fifty USD, and of course on Game Pass as well. Yeah. So that is interesting because this game took seven years or so to make. Like the first one came out in 2017. So uh, yeah, that's a lot of hours or a lot of years. E- I- every year is one hour. Yeah, straight up. Like okay. no joke. It's like I was talking to to Jacob about this last night. Um, shout out to Jacob. It was his birthday yesterday. Um, so shout out to Jacob. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, Happy birthday. So there's some sort of stank <laughs> around Hellblade 2, and I can't put my finger on it. it. It's weird because the first trailer they dropped, I thought at the time, looked graphically stunning. I thought the scope and scale looked awesome. I, I was like, that's that's a sequel. That's what we need. And then they went quiet for ages and they dropped a couple more trailers that were all really lackluster. Last year, I think it was, they dropped that one where she's talking into a puddle and it's just yeah. like a laughably bad trailer. And and that's like 50 minutes. So that's already like 10% of the game. <laughs> yeah. Like we've actually seen a lot of the game, like the equivalent of Baldur's Gate. Hour. It's if like if they dropped everything together. Yeah. It's like if you put everything together, absolutely. It's like if Baldur's Gate dropped like a 10 hour trailer <laughs> and gave you that much of an idea of what the game was. That's basically what we've seen with Hellblade. So there's something weird there. They also like the big question for a lot of gamers is what the gameplay is actually like in Hellblade 2, because in the original game, it like the combat was basically button mash, button mash, dodge button mash button mash parry button mash button mash dodge and that was basically the whole of it and it was pretty underwhelming and then in this case we keep seeing combat that looks identical to the first game but in the trailer video thing they did yesterday they said no the combat is all new but they refused to show it other than quick little snippets really really strange it, it does it did look pretty hectic though with like even more enemies also holding on to you and like attacking you from multiple sides and i, I it looked very like it looked more like a cutscene sometimes than i'm actually playing the game yeah but uh yeah it, that that looks kind of cool and i think it's cool that every kill has to be earned like it feels like um senua is like this could be the last enemy that she ever fights because every enemy takes a lot of energy. 
So I, I do like that approach where every single enemy is like kind of a roadblock to go over. But still, I, yeah, it's kind of weird to say a pretty big thing that we all wanted to hear and then not go in depth because you had the time to go in depth yeah. on what that actually means. Well, and I, I agree that it's strange that because that stood out to me, too, when he said this is a, a immersive narrative that's shorter. It's like shorter compared to what? Because like you said, the first game for most people took like seven hours to get through if they were kind of struggle bussing. Other people reported getting through it in like five hours. Like it, it's a very short game. And yeah. after seven years, seven years, like we're, we're closing in on a decade, you know, we're on our way. They've managed to do the same amount. I understand in terms of fidelity, it's more ambitious and stuff. But I just want to know, like, what has been taking so freaking long? Is this a development hell instance or is there so much epic stuff in here that they've not shown yet that? Yeah, I hope that that's the case. It earns but... it like. But I feel like as of what we've seen right now, it looks very similar to the first game other than that first trailer with some really big epic set piece stuff, um, at least in that first scene. But beyond that, it, it just looks like more of the same and a lot of walking and then button matching. They, they released all three uncharted games in the same time period. Yeah. Let that set in. <laughs> Just let that set in. Of course, COVID happened. And this game I think is really hard to work from home without the motion capture studio and stuff. It's a smaller team. Like, um, and, but I also think that with Microsoft's hands off approach, seemingly for all these studios that in particular a studio like this, that is really, really focused on every tiny detail, even though it might not really matter. And then they're also selling this game for $50. Like, I I don't see the financial sense of this at all. You you spend seven years on a game, you're going to sell for 50 bucks. So, okay, okay. Um, but I, I fear that they, because they had seemingly unlimited time and probably budget, they just went crazy and maybe, yeah did not have the right producers or whatever yeah. just to, management uh, yeah. yeah just say hey we have to get it out of one uh that would be nice yeah and i i think like again i'm saying this from a point of love like i loved the first game i thought it was groundbreaking in a lot of ways i just expected after seven years we would see more and i was also expecting they probably had hit like the 12 to 15 hour mark but instead yeah. they are maintaining what they did before. And um, that's just very surprising to me. So I don't know how else to say it other than there's just something about it that feels off to me. And maybe it's just because of how it's been framed. Maybe my expectations I mean, are really out of check. I'm not sure. If this game bombs, I think it's the end of, of the studio. Like they, they can, like there's so much I would say like tension like they have to get this right because they got everything so i don't know yeah we'll see it's it's gonna be fascinating to watch i i am curious as to what the main stream appeal is here like the people who play the first game every single person who played it is going to be jumping on this for sure um i've not met somebody who played the original hellblade got to the ending and was like eh. most people who got to the ending and experienced that no spoilers um, it was very, very memorable. So I, I fully expect that 
it will at least do well with the core fans. But as for appealing to a wider audience, I'm not well, sure. Most of the core fans on PlayStation. They might be. I mean, maybe that's yeah, exactly the so. strategy. Maybe that's the goal. I don't know. It, yeah. it is a very cinematic third person game. Um, my thing is I just, after all this time, they've stressed new combat. The gameplay has been reworked and all that, but we've not seen any of it. And in the first game, there were a lot of weird puzzles where you like align things to change your perspective and a lot of walking. And, you know, that was fine for that game. But if they're saying it's all new and revamped, I would like to know how. And they just have refused to show it, even though they could have, which to me is a little strange. Um, yeah. So we'll see. For we'll sure. see. Yeah, we will totally see. It's, it will be fascinating. And it's like a great launch time. Like there's nothing else announced for May so far. Yeah, so. straight up. Um, yeah, we also got Avowed, of course, at the show. I don't think it's like worth it for us to talk about the other two games. Our uh, History Unfold was, of course, there as well. It's like a Civilization-style strategy game. It looked great for the people that liked that. For me, it went on a little too long. I was like, maybe... Show us two minutes of it and say, hey, there's like a developer inside video on the channel right now. But yeah, uh, they, yeah it, it was like for the people that like it, 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 it was great, I feel. And then we, of course, also had Square Enix with the Visions of Mana game. It was kind of like a weird pick for that. It was really like maybe uh, one part of the deal for Square Enix to yeah. bring their <laughs> games over to Xbox. I don't know. But they started with Avowed and... We of course, uh, yeah, we of course know about this game. It has been announced quite a while ago. We saw the first gameplay at the Summer Game Fest, and now we got a yeah more in-depth look. And yeah, it looks like your first-person fantasy RPG, and it has choices, and it has combat, and varied-looking environments. But there was really nothing for me that I was like, "Wow, this game is doing something that we haven't seen before." And like, I feel that a game like this on a... Because it's not going to compete with the bigger budget fantasy RPGs. Like, it's seemingly, it, only looking at it, has this lower budget. So I don't get why they're not putting a lot of, like, resource into at least one really cool thing that is going to set this game apart. But, yeah, it just looks like you're... It's going to be fun, probably. It looks pretty good. But there's also... I don't think there's anything from what they showed so far where you're like talking to your friends. You got to see about man, and they are doing this, and it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. One thing I I once I I read it, I couldn't unsee it. Paul Tassi, um, who's a writer for Forbes, if you guys don't know his work, um, great writer, but he put out yeah. an article that I thought was actually once he mentioned I can't unsee it what he said is that avowed to him looks like a VR game and I can't see it like I can't unsee it now because the combat is very kind of stiff and it has the same vibe as a VR game when you're swinging the sword yourself and like the enemies have this really slow buildup and they kind of hold giving you time to parry and then they come down with it just like in VR games so and it also kind of explains the stiffer animations and stuff because VR games tend to be a little more limited since they have to do so much more rendering per eye, blah, blah, blah. Um, do you remember what trailer they were linking to in that Forbes article? 
Was it the Avowed trailer? Because it's private. They put it on private. Oh, the original video. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, when I looked at it earlier or like earlier today, I think it was, was just this, but I think it was cut separately. And so maybe they have to re-edit it or something. Um, but I have the core gameplay on screen right now for everybody watching the stream. <clears throat> it seems like the official channels have removed or like put it on private. That would be very funny. That would be surprising. Yeah. I mean, they still have this on Obsidian's official channel, uh, but you're right. This video was posted eight minutes ago. Okay. So I guess they, they re-uploaded it. Maybe it was because the okay. quality was kind of low. This is in full 4K. Know. Maybe originally it was uh, like okay. stripped from the stream or something. I'm not sure. Okay, but no, you're right. That's just a side note, but it's interesting. It's been re- Because Paul uh, is uploaded. linking something. I was like, oh, I, I want to check it out. And it's like, this video is private. Okay. <laughs> yeah, too bad. But <laughs> I, I can't unsee it now that he mentions it looks kind of like a VR game. It, it does kind of look like a VR game. And I think also part of it is like the movement as you're walking through environments was a, like very smoothed out. And it looked like one of those on track vr trailers so that's part of it um some of the dialogue was is a little like, stiff there was like one vr game that came out at the end of last year for oculus that actually got like a really high score so yeah asgard's wrath that. 2 yeah asgard's wrath yeah yeah fantastic game if you have yeah a you quest, played it yeah it's so good I, I do i actually got it for free because of the uh, part two uh, purchase. Yeah. It, like, if, if you've like bought a three, then you got it for free. Yeah. And that was a steal because it, it's like a 90 plus hour uh, like adventure yeah. RPG with like four different that characters. It's fantastic. So I highly, highly recommend um, a great get for meta for sure. But with this, the, it's kind honest, of that looks better than about like, and that's a VR game. I think it's it, what's kind of throwing me off and what thrusts this into the uncanny valley is that the texture work is really good. Like the skin textures are super sharp. The hair looks really good. All of that looks great. The depth of field is super soft and buttery. The environments look really good. But then the actual quality of the animations, specifically on the faces, are really stiff. And what some people have said, like, it's a low resolution animation, which just like in this context, what they meant is like there aren't as many rigged points. So like if your eyebrows are able to do all these crazy, delicate, precise movements and angle themselves in very precise ways and your mouth can move with all these muscles pulling it with this, there's like a couple of points on the mouth that can move. It's not very precise it's just broad movements like in those ps2 era when mouths would just open like a muppet it's like it's like that but a little bit improved compared to what you see in something like Baldur's gate or something with a much bigger budget in a similar genre as this um that has really fine-tuned animations and stuff for the mouth so i think that's why it gives some people the uncanny valley vibes where they they watch the gameplay and they're like something just feels off i think that's what it is does that matter for a game like this I don't think so. Like, honestly, this type of game is appealing to a group that's in it for the story. If you play a game like Avowed and your takeaway is the game's amazing, the choices and consequence are great, the world building's fantastic, but the mouths move kind of weird, I think something something went wrong <laughs> along the way, if that's yeah, the yeah. most notable thing to say. Is and that's, it of course, always hard with a, a super long game like that. But I'm also <laughs> looking at the at your uh, Giata character that's like your companion i guess or something at like three uh five six if you're watching the obsidian one the new one okay and that that there's like lighting issues here like this doesn't look great at all but 
Uh, they still have like a, a lot of months to go. Not sure if you can go to that. Though. I will say yeah. it, it looks way better than it did in that original gameplay. I don't know if you guys remember that, but that original gameplay reveal. Um, let me see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it already looked better than that for sure. And I think that, uh, choosing this more daylight, like very bright desert environment helped with that, I think, as well. Yeah, it was just the original trailer made it look really really epic and cinematic and then we got this gameplay you guys are seeing on screen right now and it looked half cartoony it looked just weird it, it honestly it kind of gave me the vibe of like a remastered or remade version of like uh, oblivion or or a version of a game from the 360 era that's had a ton of mods put on it so like the base is still kind of outdated but they've done a lot of polishing and added some bells and whistles um but this latest trailer, I think, looks way better. I, I do think it's important just to have expectations and check, though, because as we all know, hype makes you stupid. And in this case, I think potentially the worst thing that could have happened for this game as it stands now is that people heard it discussed and compared to Skyrim. They said, oh, this is Oblivion or this is Obsidian's Skyrim. This is Obsidian's version of Elder Scrolls. And they put that forward, too. But apparently it's shifted now and they're focusing on depth over breadth. And, uh, you know, similar to how people said the Outer Worlds was just their version of like a space fallout. And then they changed it and we're like, no, it's more focused and it's it's not that broad. And that was because of budgetary concerns and things like that. But um, I think a similar thing has happened here where if you go into this expecting to get Skyrim, but with an Oblivion twist, you're going to be. Uh, or Skyrim, with, but with an Obsidian twist, you're going to be disappointed. But this seems much rather to be more of like a, a New Vegas twist on the Elder Scrolls formula. So they're going to go for depth of story first and foremost, and scope and scale secondly. And as long as you understand that, I think you could have a lot of fun with it. A decent game to get on Game Pass, but I mean, I don't, I personally don't expect this to be winning like any any big Game of the Year awards or anything. No, nah, no. The core or fan maybe base because of it. this feedback, they might be like, okay, let's give it more time because they're saying fall 2024, like they could easily push it if Indiana Jones is ready. Like, I don't think they need it. Yeah. And I mean, they've yes. already made massive improvements because I feel that it looks yeah. way better than it did last summer. So they're making like big improvements. Who knows? I think Summer Game Fest is, I mean, it's all about expectations for this game. Like, Obsidian has multiple teams. So if this was always going to be, like, a smaller thing, like, and that's what's perfect for Game Fest, like, have this moment, have people, like, probably stay on the service, that, that's already a win for Microsoft. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's there. The other thing that went kind of viral with regards to Avowed, just to, to show everybody this in case somehow you've missed it was the concept art or what they call the key art. This stuff yeah, it looks great. Goes so hard. I think it's great. It's beautiful. Um, and uh, whoever, whatever artist did this needs a, a bonus because they did a great job. And this gives you a feeling. It evokes an emotion. It gives you a specific vibe and it, it, it's interesting. You're looking at it and you're seeing shards of glass, and then these plants growing in fungus, and then city remnants in the form of fungus down in the chest. There's so many different elements to this that can communicate different things to the viewer. It's art in its finest form compared to what we saw with like the original 
uh, trailer logo. Like this doesn't tell me anything at all. It's just a weird Microsoft PowerPoint font from 2003. It looks terrible. But then what we actually get here with this key art, way better. So they seem to be making some improvements. I love it. We'll see. Like I said, yeah. I think the core fan base is going to like it. It probably doesn't spill much over um, beyond that, similar to the Outer Worlds. But I mean, the Outer Worlds still sold pretty well, uh, I remember. So, um, But I do think that game had more of an, its own identity, though, than, than this. Yeah. Again, why I think it was like at the time that Outer Worlds came out, people were like, it's like their version of Fallout, but in space. And people were like, okay, that sounds cool. And then we got Starfield, yeah. which was Bethesda. And they had like a lot of, of humor and stuff like yeah. that. And I don't see any of that here. Yeah. I, I, I really am missing like the dual wheel system looks kind of cool. You can mix and match weapons. They have like ones, which looks kind of cool. You can freeze an enemy, one up to them with the swords, break the ice. Nice. And I think some of the enemies looked fine, but... There was still something missing. I really want that. Oh my god! I have yeah. to tell my friend about the this hook? feature. And yeah, yeah. What's the hook? Yeah, and I, I what, think what, what, why greenlight this game? Like, what was the idea when they started? It should have. It probably was more than let's make a let's make our version of Elder Scrolls, but with a way lower budget. Exactly, and I think Taylor Bunker in chat. Uh, puts it well. Uh, I like what Aro is showing off more than Avowed. To be honest, it just kind of looks too generic fantasy for me. And that's, yeah. I think that's precisely it. It's just very generic right now. And like Joraptor said, for most players, hearing, why, why play Avowed? What's Avowed? You know, what what is that? There's a, a term in marketing. We talked about this on the channel before. Um, and we talked about it in like business school and stuff, but it's called the tip of the tongue test. So what you want to do for whatever the product is or the brand or whatever is you want to see if you can describe it quickly and communicate it quickly to somebody without saying it. So like for the common thing is like uh, the chef that gets really angry and yells at people and curses. He's British, you know, you donkey that thing. And people immediately are like, oh, Gordon Ramsay, right? For this, it's like uh, lower budget, lamer Elder Scrolls. <laughs> like that's not exciting, <laughs> and that's no, not going to no, no. sell it for anybody. Um, and that's a that's been a big problem for them. And I feel like even after this reveal, it's it's just not clear what that hook is. So I totally agree. No, no, for sure. Uh, I think this next one is uh, pretty interesting. Maybe you've already talked about it, but I actually also uh, on my Discord. Um, uh, they, that people uh, can join if they want joeraptor.com slash discord uh, I have like one channel there for questions for the podcast and someone asked Captain Deadpool asked how do you feel about Ubisoft saying that people don't own their games did you already discuss that we did we did what do you think okay of that? yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was like taken out of proportion pretty significantly um, because the source so for people who don't know, like a Ubisoft exec uh, did an interview with gamesindustry.biz and I think he's in charge of Ubisoft Plus. Of course, their subscription service. There are now two tiers there. So one is for if you want to just play the classic games, it's like a lower tier and the higher tiers, like all the AAA Ubisoft games, day one and the premium edition as well. Um, and he, during that interview, said that, um, yeah, that, that as gamers grow comfortable in that aspect, or like basically he was saying gamers need to get comfortable not owning their games for subscriptions to take off. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people took that as a, no man, 
leave my physical digital games alone because I what the heck I don't want subscriptions I want to own my stuff but my point is like I don't think that he he was stating a fact for subscriptions to take off yeah people have to get more comfortable with that but he was not saying that he wants people to get more comfortable with that Ubisoft is just giving multiple options and one of the options is buying the game on their store or PlayStation, Xbox, or wherever you want. And then the other option is, yeah, subscribe. Because what they actually saw is that 10% of the people that have a Ubisoft Plus subscription would actually, um, yeah, they, they were new to Ubisoft altogether. So they're actually reaching a brand new audience. And yeah, that's only good, I think, for Ubisoft and for the gaming industry as a whole. So I just saw that a lot and i think there it's of course interesting to talk about subscriptions and as they relate to games because uh, matt piscatella who uh, is like in charge of the mpd um he also said that it only accounts for 10 percent of the overall spending so it's still like a very small piece of the pie and what we also saw for example a game like starfield it sold way less than it probably could because it was on game pass and we have larian studios saying hey baldur's gate 3 not going to come to Game Pass because we think we have enough value for the full price. So I just thought it was kind of people taking a quote. And of course, it's Ubisoft, so it's kind of easy to hate on them. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. With I, it. I agree. My general stance was I was surprised that he was being so transparent with it and talking out loud because we yeah. all know this is what executives have been talking about wanting for years like of course if they can get you on a subscription service where you don't own the copy of the game so they don't have to worry about secondhand sales and stuff that's ideal like same thing with all of these storefronts wanting to go digital instead of physical because then they make a bigger cut they don't have to worry about distribution costs they don't have to worry about retailers taking a cut like they make way more money so of course they prefer digital sales none of this is like shocking or new i think the reason it went viral was because there was a guy in a position of leadership just saying the unspoken part. So there's that. I, I don't foresee uh, subscriptions becoming like the mainstay. I think Game Pass becomes really compelling. But the only way I think this was ever going to become the new normal was if Sony continued to double down on it and bring their games to like PlayStation Plus. But the fact that they've backed off of that, out, uh, backed out of that and now are just doing the $70 charge thing. I think that shows pretty clearly that they don't find that to be a viable way of building their business and they don't like that layout. So they're just not going to do it. So I think it's going to remain pretty varied, you know, just like back in the day with, with cable versus buying your TV show. If you loved the office, you could just buy the DVDs of the office and then you own the copy of the office. Um, but you could also go through cable or direct TV or whatever else and get the office through those means but through basically a subscription service so this is something that's not new or novel it's just they're just of course going to try to continue pushing people into that position uh because it's better for their business so i what I, I didn't find it to be novel or crazy or different it was just like oh he said the thing that they've been saying forever i'm sure but he just said it out loud and everybody starts freaking out and i'm like if you think like ubisoft are the only people saying this like xbox is saying it playstation wants more subscribers to playstation plus like every company is saying this they just don't go and tell journalists about it 
<laughs> so yeah, and this is really like you, th this guy probably thought, oh yeah, let's give some insights to this games industry .biz website, which mostly read by developers and stuff. And now he's probably like, yeah, we'll think next time when I do an interview because of course it's taken out of uh, context. But so it, it, I, let's. I, I see some people like here in the chat as well. Um, where did I see it? So it's like saying the thing out loud. Um, but like also one of the quotes was, so um, let's see. That they're basically looking at it as just an option. Uh, let me see. I'm, I'm looking at the article right now. I just had it, of course, in front, in front of me. The point is not to force users to go down one route or another. We offer purchase, we offer subscription, and it's the gamer's preference that's important here. So that that was kind of his point with that statement. And of course, it's a fact that if gamers would get more comfortable, I mean, that's what we are seeing with Netflix and Spotify. Like, because the, because people don't want to own music anymore or uh, or TV shows or whatever, these subscriptions can take off. So yeah, obviously that's the same for gaming. It's like it's just a fact. Yeah. It's not that he wants that, but well, and I it, thought like, it was interesting. Like you said, it's like what would need to happen in order for subscriptions to become the main stay of the industry? Well, what would need to happen is people have to do this, this, and this, and everybody freaks yeah. out. It's like, did you hear what he said? It's like, yeah, uh, yeah. He, he described it. What would need to happen for GTA 6 to cost $150? Well, gamers would have to be comfortable with paying $150 for their <laughs> games, and it would have to become the new mainstay price tag for most major AAA games. And then everybody's like, they want to make games $150. It's like, ideally, yeah, they'd love that, but that's yeah, not what they were saying. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, also, I am Leandy. I'm Leandy? I'm not sure. Thank you for subbing with Prime over on Twitch. Thank you. Two months of support. Love to see it. Thank you, my friend. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, a great, a great, um, point to bring up. I, I think that that was kind of a silly story, uh, and it was kind of a non-story, honestly, uh, as far as I'm concerned, like, yeah, yeah. He said the thing that they've been saying for years, I'm sure. Like I'm surprised everybody was shocked. It, it reminded me of when all of those Twitch, like payouts leaked and people found out that all of their favorite streamers that were huge and have like 50,000 viewers were all multimillionaires. And they're like, I've been giving them five bucks a day for years. I'm shocked. They didn't need the money. It's like, yeah, like they just never said that out loud because it would hurt their business. And in this case, it's like, I don't know why he said the part out loud, but it was uh, just very candid. Like, yeah, he was saying the facts, but yeah, maybe. He yeah, everybody's have, pissed know. about like executives being super coy and not really saying anything in interviews. This is why. Because when yeah. they're candid, they get in trouble. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. dumbass, why'd you say that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Let's talk real quick about this Far Cry spinoff that's potentially in the works. Uh, what's, yeah, yeah, what's sure. the deal with this? Yeah, it's kind of weird, actually. Uh, so a rating went up, uh, a Peggy rating. So yeah, it's it it is legit. Uh, they submitted a game to yeah the rating board, and they were like, okay, here you have a rating for this game. We, we played it. I think they have to play it before they rate it. Um, and it's called Captain Laserhawk Ninja Warrior uh, by Ubisoft. 
And uh, the brief outline of the game is players take part in a laser death match and compete to eliminate the most opponents. Um, this game features moderate violence in which human-like characters are shot using laser, laser guns. Reactions to being shot are unrealistic with characters breaking into parts when hit. So that's probably why they got the 12H rating. Um, there's no gore, injury detail, that's why there's blood on the ground. There are in-game purchases. And it was supposed to launch on December 19th, 2023 for PC, but that obviously did not happen. And um, yeah, people in the know probably know Captain Laserhawk was the Far Cry Blood Dragon type uh, TV show that launched on Netflix last year. So they probably wanted to launch this around that, I would imagine, but it got delayed and delayed. And usually why ratings like this still appear is because Ubisoft did not update the release date. So then they will just drop. They will just publish it because they think, oh, the game is out now. Here you have it. But uh, yeah, that obviously did not happen. So it sounds like a weird type of game that Ubisoft made like a few years ago, where they were trying every free-to-play thing and hope that it sticks. Right now, they're seeming to focus just on a few free-to-play games like Division Heartlands and X Defiant, and really trying to get that right. So this is kind of a weird surprise, and I don't know who this is for, but. Yeah. I agree. I don't really know who this is for either. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not that that description doesn't sound fantastic, but it's just, I, I don't really know what this is, uh, what they're going for here, but who knows? Maybe it'll find amazing success. It'll be the new pal world and it'll blow up. Uh, Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, very, very strange spinoff. It's like, Oh, that's weird. Um, one of the other news stories that dropped yesterday, two days ago, was actually confirming something that we kind of speculated about in a recent Suicide Squad video I did on the channel. And that was basically that for a couple of, uh, well, basically a year, a lot of people have been curious as to what Sefton Hill and Jamie uh, Walker have been doing because if you guys don't recall the timeline, basically in like March of 2023, I believe it was, there was a, or February maybe, there was a big reveal of a gameplay trailer that was mass downvoted. And that was what caused them to delay the game by like uh, pretty much a year and extend all these timelines and try to figure out how to market this to people. It kind of ignited the first wave. What and, they, by and, the way, did in that year is remove the gear score. That's pretty good i think but uh, i was like always looking at the gameplay and like what did they do but they removed the gear score so that's one thing yeah remove that piece of ammunition (laughs) from (laughs) from youtubers (laughs) like me uh so they they delayed a bunch the response was was pretty negative um and people couldn't help but notice that the creators, the founders of the studio that had been at the studio since they founded it, that had led the studio through the creation of the Arkham series, one of the most awarded franchises in the history of gaming, they left in December of 2022. They just left. And everybody was like, did they see the fire in the, the you know, the smoke? And they realized a fire was coming. So they decided to bail and kind of get off the sinking ship because they knew what was coming. Why, why would they just bail on the company they founded right before the release of allegedly a really good game that they believe in? And initially, everybody's like, well, they must have 
seen the writing on the wall and they didn't want to be associated with it. But then some people realized that some other things were happening within like DC, within Warner Brothers, um, this revamp of the DC universe, this push. And in the context of what's going on at Rocksteady, a different explanation makes a lot more sense because they didn't just leave. They said they were moving on to other projects. And as far as anybody could tell, they were not leaving the Warner Brothers family. They were basically going off to work within some other subsidiary of Warner Brothers and um, potentially, you know, found a new studio or work in a new studio, which was very interesting as a, a, a potential explanation for this. And some time went by and we find out more and more about Suicide Squad that they have like at least a year and a half of content planned. Data miners say they see remnants of things that could go all the way to three years of support planned. So Rocksteady is pretty much going to be turned into a live service support team after this game launches and are not going to be working on any Arkham game reboots or anything like that. They're going to be fully booked up with this. I mean, if the game is successful. I mean, we've seen it before. If it's um, successful. Um, but even if it's a failure, they're getting the first year of content content out and then they probably shut it down um yeah because they'll a lot probably of them... do like a big yeah because they have like seemingly an arkham sort of uh or like a gotham uh, season three around like uh holly of halloween so that might be the the big like final time that they want to mm. get everyone in for like half price or whatever i don't know yeah it seems like they've got at least a year that's already being worked on. So uh, if the game is super successful, awesome, they'll do a year two. But if it fails um, or is not making enough money, they'll shut it down at that point and figure out what to do next. But it seems that Sefton Hill and Jamie Walker have in fact gone off and they are creating what some people are calling Rocksteady 2, <laughs> which is basically, uh, it's wow, not actually really? it's not actually called that. It's 100 Star Games is what it's called. But as this article from Polygon describes, Rocksteady founders Sefton Hill and Jamie Walker have established a new development studio in London called 100 Star Games, which is described as a AAA game studio startup that will consist of, quote, only 100 industry veterans and emerging talents, end quote. So it seems to be a smaller team that's focused on AAA quality titles of, you know, industry veterans, people probably that worked on the Arkham series because they know those guys and they're local. Yeah, yeah. And some people from Rocksteady are moving over, like some uh, veterans. Yeah, which to me, like, the, red this flag. is cool. <laughs> I mean, well, red flag, red flag. But to me, it's cool because my frustration with Suicide Squad is that I feel that this is not the kind of game that Rocksteady is really good at. And I'm like, the talented people there could do so much better if they were given seven years or six, seven years to work on the next generation of Arkham games. Can you only imagine what, like, if you see Arkham Knight, imagine what they would be able to do after all this time. Yeah, okay, but you it. don't mean, like, the new Batman games. You just mean, like, other yeah, single-player. Like evolution yeah, 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 because, of, yeah, yeah. Because if we, like, uh, insert this article from Jason Schreier that he uh, put up as well, is that... Um, so, of course, following the release of Arkham Knight in 2015, the studio became, uh, began working on Batman uh, VR. D did you play that, by the way? It was really good. I did. It was like 40 uh, minutes long, though. It was super short. <laughs> yeah, it was really short, but it was pretty cool. So, yeah, 40 minutes. Uh, it was a bit longer, but it was not a, a really long. So, yeah, they worked on that for a bit. And then um, they moved on to an unannounced multiplayer game set in an original franchise which has not been previously reported. So after Batman Arkham Knight, 
they worked on that. And then Warner Bros. Montreal, of course, the studio behind Arkham Origins, was doing a Suicide Squad game. That got cancelled. So Suicide Squad was free as like an IP to work on for a game. And of course, that was when yeah, Warner wanted to push Suicide Squad as like this big thing. And that first movie, even though it sucked, did really insanely well. Um, so yeah, they probably saw Dollar Science and were like, yeah, let's make a game about it. So that's when Rocksteady uh yeah worked on it and warner bros montreal of course went on to make gotham knights yeah um but yeah several false starts for suicide squad and it was delayed multiple times as the company tried to transition to an unfamiliar genre surprise surprise we have not heard that before but well i think that's important to stress is that in that jason trier article he stresses uh, a sort of big common misconception, which I've echoed because I thought it was established reporting, but in fact it's not, um, which is the the rumor was that Rocksteady pitched a Superman game that they worked on for about two years, and after that was shut down, they moved on to Suicide Squad, and that's what Warner Brothers brass basically forced them to do. That, Jason Schreier reports, is not actually the case, and he tracked it all the way back to the original guy, um, that started that who basically said oh my source got studios and projects mixed up and so he's like i did a follow-up tweet correcting it but of course nobody reported on the correction everybody only reported on the original uh yeah, yeah. Th- rumor or thing that that was allegedly leaked that yeah. was just a misunderstanding and even this year it was like when they of course showed the first like sort of exploration of metropolis everyone was like oh this is a superman game see it we're playing in the remains of their superman game yeah and it's um, just it turns out it's not true and this is what i think jason trier put it as he's like this is perhaps the most uncomfortable thing for rocksteady fans to admit which is that this was not a game, Suicide Squad was not a game that they were forced to make. It's a game they wanted to make, which is even more baffling. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, after like the, the trilogy, you want to do something else. But yeah, it's not like... A, and I mean, I really think that... And that that's... I think we heard that with Bioware as well. They wanted to make Anthem as well. Like, I think Bungie really put themselves like on another like level with destiny and how that was like the hot new thing and everyone was playing that and i think a lot of these developers probably as well it was like more than just a game that you play alone it was a social thing that's yeah we have we did not see that much in the console space before destiny came out um in that sort of co-op nature of course we had competitive a lot so i think a lot of those companies were like Sure, we, we like that people play our single-player games, but what if we can also be this game that that consumes everyone's life? And I think that's probably where their jump to a multiplayer game came from as well. But to go from a melee-focused combat system in a single-player narrative-driven game to this Borderlands-style third-person shooter with live service elements, like, you're starting from scratch. Like, it... It would have been cooler if they then made like a Justice League game or whatever, right? Mm. Or something like that that was even close that was a bit closer to them. Yeah. It's just I I think <laughs> there's sometimes uh situations where we don't want to accept that maybe this was like you said BioWare, like Anthem. It's much more comfortable to think that EA forced them to make that. But then when you realize, no, they like they thought that they could pull that off and that it was going to be super successful and it just 
wasn't like sometimes that happens and you know you could ask and and question the motivations like you could say well maybe it's because the the creators of rocksteady sefton uh hill and jimmy walker maybe it's because they would get bonuses and make more money if the game is super successful which i'm sure, sure is true and this is a business you know these guys when you found a studio it's not necessarily like they're probably not in the writer's room or working on the fun parts of the game day in, day out. They're managing a studio. Like they, they kind of transition to businessmen positions. And so the, the dollars are important. And like you said, after the amazing overwhelming success of something like destiny, a lot of these really accomplished studios thought we could do that. And so they tried it and they realized it's not that simple, but with all yeah. of this news of them founding a, a new studio, my hope is that it's sort of the spiritual successor to Rocksteady because Rocksteady, as it is, is a very different studio than the group that made Batman Arkham Knight. A lot of the original devs on the, that game on Arkham City have moved to different studios. And some of the guys that are still remaining, like you said, are going to be going to this new studio. So Rocksteady, it seems, is going to be the live service support team for Suicide Squad, at least for a year, maybe more. And uh, this new studio is going to probably try I mean, to carry the torch but that's i think the best the best scenario then probably right because pe there are people that are excited for suicide squad it's like a relatively small portion of the fan base but still there are people and maybe mm -hmm. it is better we should still have to wait and see I'm, I'm at least looking forward to playing through the campaign um so maybe if they can support suicide squad and we get something cool and new that is hopefully yeah maybe probably not dc related and yeah, maybe it has more creative freedom. I think that's a win-win, I think, for, for everyone. I think they're going to do a Daredevil game. Lock it in. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I mean... No, I, well, I, why I, does it go to Marvel? That would be crazy. Oh, dude, that would piss me off. Well, is this... Uh, let's see. It's not been officially announced. Uh, company website. We can pull up the company website. Um, so, ooh, there's stars on the company website. Wow. Look at this fancy schmancy. So with this, I mean, I I'm in agreement that this is probably the best outcome for what's transpired because we're going to get probably, you know, the, the base team. Um, I have to apply. I have to email them for information. What? How does that make any sense? Okay. There's nothing on their website. It's just this. And then you can email them. It's really them. like an inner circle as well, like a hundred people. Yeah, be one of them. <laughs> like super. This exclusive. looks like a sort of like a squid game or whatever. A hundred people, only one can decide our next. Or like yeah, they <laughs> bring don't up even, the idea. They don't even have job listings. They just have like email us for info. That's crazy. Okay, well there you go. <laughs> I was I was like, I mean, ooh, with a lot let's of people investigate. Lost their job, they they probably got a lot of like they they don't have to worry to fill out those hundred people probably. Yeah, that's funny. Oh man, um, let's see. Uh, let's catch up on these real quick. After all that, thank you guys for for all of the support and the chatting and everything. Appreciate you guys. Real quick, uh, Maya, I'll get to that when when Raptor gets back because I'm assuming that that is. Uh, <laughs> for Joe Raptor. So just a second. BK Ziggy, also thank you for uh, becoming a member. Uh, I appreciate you doing that. And um, everybody else, I mean, thank you for all of the support, follows, subscriptions, all of that stuff is amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, with all this, though, I mean, I think it's, it's just unfortunate that this is where we are. Like, I would have preferred that Rocksteady just go from 
Arkham Knight to whatever their next game was, probably also in DC, but you know, with high production value, single player at the core. But after everything that's happened, this is probably the best outcome. We do have a question for you, Mr. Joraptor from okay. uh, Maya for uh, two. Thank you for that super chat. Answer the next question from your Discord, Jor, and then cry yeah. with laughter emoji. What is this? Uh, what is this question? If I like redheads. <laughs> oh well everybody everybody let's uh, i'm gonna put it on just door raptor and he can answer okay so here we go go for it i actually do <laughs> okay <laughs> that, that is all uh, <laughs> that's great and uh, dylan asked if i got a new haircut and yes i did i actually yeah today i went to the Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Yeah. See, I, I think I'm going to go for it, guys. I think we're going to try to push through the awkward phase and try to grow the hair out a little bit. But right now, <laughs> I look like Shaggy Goat McGee. Like, <laughs> it is so long, and I can go like all emo if I want. It's just there's a lot of hair everywhere. It's driving me crazy. Thanks, Dylan. Appreciate it. What are you going to do? What what are you gonna do? Buddy really thought about that. <laughs> yeah. Joe Raptor <laughs> doesn't speech. he doesn't just answer questions. He ponders them and gives you the truth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, my Spider Man three phase right there. Yeah, I, I'll do the the Peter Parker um Toby Maguire hair swoosh. It's gonna be epic. It's gonna be epic. Well, um are there any other last things you want to discuss on the show, uh, Mr. Joe Raptor? Not really. I think uh, that that's. I think we we touched on everything that happened this week. Uh, apart from the fact that Foam Stars is launching on PlayStation Plus, pretty big. Oh baby! Everybody, I mean, clear out those single player games. Yeah. Delete them off your your SSD. Clear some yeah. space. That's, There's a new yeah. Foam Star in town. <laughs> Get ready. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess I, the last thing today, The Last of Us Part Two remastered launches. Are you going to be playing it? And I already did. I uh, played yeah, you got the, it. No early. return mode. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I, I uh, did not play through it again. Like I feel that it's just I still remember this game pretty well, uh, and it's like it's uh, hard it, to forget. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I, I played Part One lost, or was it twenty twenty two? Right. I think yeah, it was yeah, like so January of twenty three was the remake wasn't it yeah it was on pc but uh it was on playstation before that um so yeah last year around this time that the show started and the pc part actually came out later uh on pc but uh so that was like i played it only at launch so that was like 10 years in between so that was like sure let's do it again for part two i'm not quite ready yet but i did play the no return mode um but it's just it feels like a, uh, it, it feels so weird after Valhalla because Valhalla is like 10 times better. So, because that also has like a story and it kind of, even if you don't like roguelite modes, you will still like this. And for this, for this losses mode, you really have to like this, um, yeah, this mode where, yeah, you can also die pretty quickly. Like have a clicker nearby and bam, you're down and you have to do your run all over again. So it's pretty pretty brutal, and it's kind of weird to, uh, yeah, to just be dropped in a map, and they have like a few enemies, and they have to take them out, and then there's like a new wave of enemies. They do have some modes as well, so that kind of changes things up. But I like how 
seamless the Lost of Us gameplay usually is from if you just go through the story, it makes sense that there are suddenly these enemies from the particular faction or these um, yeah, these clickers or whatever in the area. And you can also kind of just sneak past them. You just want to get to the new story beat. And now your goal is to actually kill all of them and then kill, go to a new level and kill them again. So it's really combat focused. It was kind of weird to do stealth in a roguelite mode. So I yeah. had to get used to it. <laughs> I did like it over time, but it's, it, it, I've, it, maybe it would have been cooler in co-op. Like it needed something. It's not just a worse way to experience The Last of Us. And I don't mm. think that was maybe the intention. It's cool to play with the different characters though, but. Interesting. I what I did see somebody tweet out is that Joel is resistant to melee damage, which a lot of people found very funny considering the events of The Last of Us Part Two, um, which I also find quite funny. I, I think he just like takes less or can take more hits than probably, yeah. but. Uh, but considering, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, maybe he has a vulnerability to golf clubs or something, I'm not sure. But he, he cannot dodge. That's like a big thing. Ooh. Um, but and and of course the the newer characters can so that actually actually a huge disadvantage for playing uh, Joel and Tommy can also not dodge. He's a little so, stiff. He's a little stiff. Yeah, but it makes sense because in part one he also could not dodge, so it would be weird if he all of a sudden learned that move but did not. Oh yeah, because I guess you don't one. get to ever experience Joel in the Last of Us Part Two, so I guess that yeah, does yeah. kind of make sense. Yeah, interesting. Um. <laughs> yeah so anyway all of this to say uh that's gonna be a fun one i highly recommend not just you jor but also anybody out there listening to go watch the grounded documentary i mentioned earlier in the show uh they, they dropped it back in like 2014 initially fantastic documentary it will make you appreciate game development all the more and it also gives you a look at the creation of what a lot of people consider to be one of the best games of all time and they're dropping the documentary on the creation of the new game on last of us part two I believe today, maybe I'm wrong about that, uh, but soon at the very least, and that's going to go through the creation of The Last of Us Part Two. I've not seen it, but I want to see it because that sounds fascinating, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of drama. I just, I'm interested in seeing like the behind the scenes of when the leaks happened and when they had to delay it, and Ooh. like all of that stuff's going to be fascinating to hear because if they put that in. Like we never get to see too much of a trauma for them. (laughs) Yeah. Like people just assume that a leak happens for a game and it's like, damn, that got out. Bummer. No, this, this was like a huge. Maybe we will see they planted the leak all along. (laughs) Dude, there's been speculation with that. Yeah. People ask like, does Ubisoft plant these leaks? Because all of their Assassin's Creed stuff leaks like a week before the big announcement, but just yeah, enough yeah. to get you more interested. So people wonder if like Ubisoft plants leaks or Bethesda has leaks all the time. So people wonder like, do they leak this to gauge public interest and stuff? I don't think that ever happens. No. Um, no. But it's funny to think about. Yeah, it's funny to think about. This This Last of Us Part Two leak though was... <laughs> If that yeah, was intentional, it hurt the game big Jesus, time. Like, it hurt the game big time. Man. Yeah, I, I even like talked to a friend of like he like a friend or of like a housemate from a friend of mine that was there, and he was like, "I loved part one, but I heard part two was really bad uh, because he like heard people talk about the leaks, so he did not play it." And yeah. I was like, "Dude, you loved part one. You will love part two. What what are you doing?" Yeah, but uh, no, I just did that video on Tuesday or Monday 
on The Last of Us Part Two and kind of the long lasting effects of the leaks and some of the misrepresentations that resulted as a part of it. And there's people in the comment section that are saying, yeah, dude, I never played it because I heard the leaks and I did not realize that some of this stuff wasn't true. Like there were people in the comment yeah. section that were like, yeah, I thought it was like confirmed that like Abby was trans, for example, because that was one of the leaks that happened that was just not true. Um, and there were certain types that decided not to play the game because they didn't like that. And so like there, there were some things that happened where people were factually incorrect, but because of the leaks and the speculation and stuff, people just ran with it. And now yeah, years yeah. later, people are still echoing some of those same falsehoods. It's just these leaks can do a lot of damage beyond just giving you a peek at what is to come. There's also misinformation. There's things maybe the TV out of show will will save them from that. Maybe those people will watch the TV show. I don't know, and then be like, eh, is it, "This is the same story." Okay, yeah. let's play the game. Yeah, people have asked, uh, "Do you think that the TV show is received better? The season two of the TV show is received better than the game was?" And I think overwhelmingly yes. I, I think the TV show it's going to come out. People are going to be like, "Wow, that was really good." It's intense, but yeah, I think people in general I on also, HBO are going to like it. I also don't think that people have the same connection to Joel that we had because we played as him like in the game and especially in the tv show that that final scene he rescuing ellie like he looked like a mass murderer which he always was but in the game you kill so many people yeah and in the TV show it really hit home that what he was doing is insane for this one person while maybe ellie could have also saved everyone and he still went on this killing spree and in the game, it was just another mission. It was like, oh, no, these guys have like a an SMG or like a an assault rifle. So they're a little tougher to take out. But apart from that, you didn't really think about it that much. Yeah. Um, apart from like killing the doctor, of course, at the end. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see. And uh, I'm I'm here for it. So gonna be crazy but uh fantastic yeah. show once again mr Joe raptor thank you everybody who joined us live Thanks, for this this i did been... get the joke by the way people are asking if i did not get the golf melee joke but i did but he uh... just didn't find it funny it's okay guys i'll be yeah, okay like... i'll be okay <laughs> everybody i'll be okay <laughs> don't worry um, everybody stay safe i will be back on stream here in about 20 minutes so i'll create another event here on luke stevens live so you can pop over and hang yeah, out with me as we that. go through some stories and we tried the last of us part two remastered live so join me there but in the meantime much love we'll see you all Go very do the soon lost levels they're actually pretty cool the they're actually pretty nice yeah i will do that i will do that yeah. much love everybody do we'll that. see you in a little bit thanks everyone bye-bye